Why Access Matters, a podcast by Accessibrand. Thoughts and talks about accessibility. Little people of Ontario, little people of Canada, have you heard these names before? Hi, everyone. I'm Julian McDonald from Accessibrand, and I'd like to welcome you to the second season and the eighth episode of our podcast, Why Access Matters. Welcome to our podcast episode of Why Access Matters. Since June 2022, Why Access Matters proudly and happily brings you thoughts and talks about accessibility every last Friday of each month. And we invite you to listen to our first season on your favorite podcast platform. All of our episodes are standalone talks, but each of our guests brings their own valuable, unique perspectives and thoughts to the topic, concept, and necessity that is accessibility. And we encourage you to listen to all of them. Today, we have two amazing guests, Alan Redford and Isabella Lamana, who are involved with Little People of Ontario, Little People of Canada, and the Dwarf Athletic Association of Canada. They're going to share their experiences and insights into the organization and their work to raise awareness and acceptance around dwarfism. But before moving to their interview, let us summarize these organizations. Little People of Ontario website says that the LPO, having started in 1965 and is operated entirely by volunteers, Little People of Ontario is a provincial registered charitable organization that provides lifelong fellowship, support, and information to people of short stature, their families, and friends in Ontario. Little People of Canada was founded later in 1984 as a national not-for-profit in support and advocation for individuals with dwarfism and their families across Canada. The organization's mission is to enhance the lives of people with dwarfism and to promote social acceptance and understanding of the condition. In the following conversation, Alan Redford and Isabella Lamana both have a type of dwarfism and share their thoughts on accessibility and inclusion. Isabella talks about physical disabilities, hidden disabilities, and how accessibility benefits everyone. Alan highlights the importance of treating others with kindness and respect. This conversation reminds us that making minimal changes can make a big difference in people's lives. So let's dive in. Why Access Matters, a podcast by Accessibrand. Thoughts and talks about accessibility. Thank you for joining us. And I'm excited for you to both be guests on our podcast, Why Access Matters. So I'd like you to introduce yourselves first, please. I'm Alan Redford, and I am the president of the Little People of Canada, the Little People of Ontario, as well as the Dwarf Athletic Association of Canada. Awesome. And over to you. My name is Isabella Lamana, and I am a member of LPO. Um, I do a lot of volunteering for both DAC and LPO. Um, but right now, I am a university student at the University of Guelph. Awesome. Thank you. And I know you're involved in another new piece to do with Little People of Ontario. Did you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. So over the summer, I um, had this great idea come to mind and I brought it up to Alan. Um, and that was to start 
a program where myself and two other little people um, attend different schools, specifically usually elementary schools, um, and talk about our condition, dwarfism, and kind of raise awareness and acceptance around it. Awesome. Thank you, Isabella. So going on to our next question, I think we obviously, I've known you guys for quite some time. I've been part of Little People of Ontario since Joy was basically under one, I think, and she's going to be 12 this year. So our question is about uh, talking a little bit more about your organization and what brought you to the organization. Obviously, it's probably with lived experience, but I'll let you talk about that each independently and a little bit more if you don't mind. Alan, over to you. Um, I started uh, actually, I was kind of involved in the organization quite late in my my own life, often uh, through um, the the local LPP uh, organizations. Um, It would be the parents that would bring their child in. Um, I think that's that's kind of like what happened to you, Jillian. But I, I wasn't, I was 40 when I became involved with it. I was kind of living my life and and trying to, um, well, not trying to, but actually, you know, uh, um, um, thriving through the system of life, uh, living in a, a world that wasn't built for me. Um, but then uh, I was introduced to the Little People of America when they came to Toronto in 2001. Um, and the doctor uh, said to me, "Just well, they're here. Why don't you go down? There's an opportunity to... Um, you know, take a look without a lot of, you know, traveling or you don't have to do anything because I lived in Toronto at the time. Well, I still live here. And uh, I went in and it was uh, it was an eye-opening experience. Um, and uh, I that was the first time I put my hand up and volunteered for, for a position. And I, I became the uh, secretary treasurer of the Little People of Canada at that time. Um, and then I keep uh, keep putting my hand up to volunteer. I could see the, um, I could see the impact um, that ha- that these groups um, were having on the community. Um, it was the um, um, the community's camaraderie, the enthusiasm, the uh, the ability to talk about um, and experience things um, sometimes in a different way than you would in, a, in an average size world. So um, that that's how I got involved. It was, it, was, it was a fantastic experience. So I'm sure growing up having dwarfism, you would have wished that you had something like this sooner. So it must have been nice to have that when you were older. Well, I, I don't want to say yes and no, because I don't want to say I, I I don't regret anything that's ever happened. I think I've, I've just um, I've enjoyed my life and I have uh, um, um, just encourage other people. It is perhaps. And what I've learned through the organization is being, you know, part of the uh, um, the board or as a, an executive, seeing the positive impact that it has had, not only on the parents, because initially I think that's what happens is in most cases, the parents come in going uh, um, after they've had a diagnosis of a child has dwarfism. There's a whole bunch of anxiety and uncertainty and wanting to know what path of where to go. Um, um and a, a lot of kids have some trouble with, you know, connecting with a society and a world that isn't built for them. Um, I, I didn't have as much 
trouble adapting. However, if it had been there, it probably would have been easier. Given the situation of some others who are having some serious difficulties with this, um, uh, I'm really glad the organizations are there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We're eternally grateful, like if not internally, but eternally and internally I am because it makes me so happy because we've met so many amazing families. That's actually how we got our diagnosis, as you know, from meeting another family because Joy was undiagnosed till she was two and a half. Um, so it's been such a enormous part of our family and making so many friendships. And of course, going over to Isabella, um, you know, little side note, she's been helping mentor Joy as she's becoming a teenager and dealing with those struggles and having someone closer to her age, still older, but that sort of lived through it and in a different way and, you know, closer in time has been so amazing. And we're just so grateful. I'm not going to get all teary during this <laughs> podcast, but uh, Isabella, how did you get involved with LPO? Um, so I got involved when I I want to say I was about seven or eight, maybe even younger. Um, my parents found out about LPO and we attended a Christmas party. And I attended a couple events after that, but um, I didn't go for a couple of years. I don't, not for any particular reason, but um, I started going once again after COVID and went again to the Christmas parties, um, the picnic for Dwarfism Awareness Month, um, little events like that. And the more that I attended these events and the more friends that I made, especially being older and more chatty, you know, um, when I was younger, I was really shy. Um, not that it was hard for me to make friends, but you know, I I was just super super shy, and I wasn't so bubbly and chatty. Whereas now I I talk to a lot more people. So um, going to these events are really fun and exciting for me now. Um, and then I began to get involved more so with LPO and DAC um, doing the social media because during COVID um, I decided to have a contest competition with my friends on TikTok to see who could go viral first. And you won, yeah, right? That's, that's, that, that, that's where it you all happened. I ended up going viral and uh, out of nowhere, I was, it was unexpected. And I used the platform. I don't really anymore that much with school and everything really busy, but um. For, for that portion of time, I decided since I have such a big platform that I could um, use it towards raising awareness and acceptance about like surrounding dwarfism yeah. um, as like a positive influence because there are there are some out there that yes, they're TikTok famous or or not even just on TikTok, whatever social media platform they're famous on, but they don't give the best reputation of little people or representation. They're yeah. more of like, oh, for show, laugh at me. I'm so funny, you know? Yeah. So I kind of wanted to be that positive person <laughs> representing um, our condition. Um, so I began to do that. And then people from LPO reached out and we started working together. I would run like the TikTok accounts for them um, and 
it's really fun. I really enjoy it. I like going to the events and filming, taking on pictures, you know, um, being involved in that way is just, it's, it's so great. It's, it's awesome. And then being involved with little kindness now is so awesome because I, I have five younger sisters myself and whom all look up to me as their positive role model, great influence. Um, and I'm so appreciative of them. And I think that that's what kind of made me really want to do more for people, children with dwarfism, because I want to be also that role model to show them like they're not alone. I've went through certain things and that they might be going through now and I can kind of be there for them so they don't they know they're not alone um which is also why I got involved with camp LPO being a camp counselor um which literally changed my life like I love camp counseling um and I I just I like being that positive influence for for them so I think it's really important well I know you really have been you, you really had, I want to thank you so much. You have done so much so far uh, and made a, a really um, um, positive impact on, on the community, for sure. I mean, the, those times um, where we were um, working so hard at that time to get a presence, to be able to, um, to make that wedge into the community, to, to make it that way. Um, you were you enabled us to do that. Uh, I mean, we've met um, and have been approached by um, so many new people because of what you've done on social media that way. So, thank you. Of course, yeah, it's I all going to be about thanking yeah. Isabella here because yeah, amazing. <laughs> but really, you know, I mean, it's people. I mean, it's one thing that, like, for myself, I do a, I do a lot of other things, but there's a lot of things in the background that I do that are very administratively. You know, like there's you know, applying for grants and doing all sorts of things and the finances and things like that. Um, but what we need are people like Isabella out there actually, you know, doing those things and facilitating the actions. Um, and um, we need more volunteers uh, to be able to do that. Um, and we don't always get that. Sometimes pe- people come on and um, they want to be involved, but they're really not. They're just sort of there hovering around in the um you know in the outside but not really having an impact um you know their their opinion and their their support of course is is good um however the you know when 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 the when the rubber hits the road we need people actually making it happen yeah and she's done that so yeah well that's awesome and i think both these conversations and everything that you know, Little People of Ontario does. And we have Little People of Ontario Camp, um, which hopefully we'll, we'll add some links to that as well, because if there's parents out there with children with dwarfism, our, our daughter is gone for several years now. It's an amazing, amazing opportunity. So we'll link that in the bottom of our podcast as well, all of the links to the websites and things like that. But I really, we want to talk about accessibility and, you know, accessibility is different for everyone. And that's how my road happened is when Joy was born, And, you know, I started advocating for her physical needs, but then being a graphic designer saw the need in the digital environment. And that's why, you know, our next question is like, what's both of your opinions about the vital role of accessibility in our society? 
I mean, we know it's it's specifically we talk about for ourselves, um, you know, with people with disabilities, but for everyone. And we'd love to know sort of like your opinion about the connection between a more accessible world and a more fair society, just based on all of your advocacy journeys in your own words, however you can. But I think, you know, so many things I had no idea. And most people don't until they're faced with that. Um, you know, as you probably both know, I was diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos a few years ago, which causes me mobility issues. But even with joy, like you go to the grocery store and you you can't reach the debit machine. You can't do all of these things. So, I mean, those are physical aspects, but for accessibility as a whole, what, what are you, both your thoughts on it? And, you know, just for everyone, I mean, we know it's generally obviously great for people with disabilities but as a whole like what are your thoughts and maybe alan i'll start with you and then we'll go over to you as bella sure um i think starting with accessibility um it's kind of the wedge into making the world uh, you know a kinder happier uh, more inclusive place to live uh, I guess, as you mentioned, you know, not everybody, uh, they don't know it. You know, if you're not living in that world, you're not exposed to it. You really don't know what what that's all about. Um, many people are often into their own world. They only see what they see. And uh, if things are different, um, they're not sure how to approach it. So, um, so often people who appear to behave, dif- you know, differently than others, like an average, high, uh, average person, um, like I said, are treated differently as well. So, and often that treatment is negative, (laughs) which is probably some derivative of fear or some kind of learning bias. So I think, um, um, I think the solution starts with education because once we move into um, uh, understanding people who are different, um, we can then move on to um, um, so more of acceptance and inclusion. But in order to be able to do that, it's with, like I said, it's with education. And that's part of our little kindness project starting when they're young. And because uh, then you once, and, and it's easier to start with accessibility, something that's simple, like putting a ramp in for somebody who has, who uses a wheelchair. Um, and, and frankly, even for somebody with dwarfism, using a wheelchair is an advantage as well. Because I mean, that's one of the average height uh, or um, I guess average size world for us. You know, that seven inch rise is a challenge when you're, you know, only on average, say four feet tall um, or even distances, that kind of thing. So if we can start with talking about accessibility, we can then move on into uh, that um, things that are perhaps not quite as obvious, sorry, hidden disabilities or invisible disabilities or um, some things like that. Um, yeah, I, I just I think it's uh, it's a process, um, and it and it it does work, but it doesn't always feel like it's working so well. But it does work. We we, we things are getting better for people uh, with disabilities all over the world, not at the same rate, unfortunately, but. Um, we got to keep working at it. So, yeah. well, I think another example too is we talk about in a lot of the podcasts is, is that you know that rise or um, you know the ramp or the curb cut. It's not just for wheelchairs. It's not just for assistive you know devices. It's for people that have you know strollers. Like people need to think beyond the fact. 
oh, I'm just putting this in because of this reason. It's mm-hmm. easier for everyone if we think about it. And uh, a lot of the things that have been built into, you know, even the iPhone, it, we use it all the time, not realizing it was built for accessibility features because of the dis- like the disabled community. And I think that's something, again, you hit the nail on the head with, it comes down to education and starting it young. And we need to really see that integrated more into the school systems. Because even when we talk about the school boards, the difference between accessibility and inclusion is still pretty black and white some days. And it's, you know, it's it's shocking, but it's still there. Yeah, and it shouldn't be. It's it's I think it's one one path um uh, to another so that we all, you know, can treat each other the way we want to, you know, the way we want to be able to treat be treated with kindness and respect, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Isabella, what what are your thoughts on accessibility? I know you've had some great options being at one of the local universities, but overall, like, what are your thoughts growing up until now? Um, well, obviously, like, there's being a person who has, like, dwarfism, that's, like, a physical disability. Like, you can see that I am a lot smaller than average, right? And so, obviously, there's you know, I need stools and I need, and I need certain things that for me, but then there's other disabilities that maybe people don't see as Alan was saying, hidden disabilities, like what if someone's deaf or, or blind? And I think that even like the, the thing about the sidewalk, like having like no step there just helps everyone, like even kids, like babies walking across the street, they don't have to worry about that step up, you know? Um, but yeah, there's, it's not just, um, not everything is so obvious. And I think that's where a lot of people, there's a big like stigma and a big thing surrounding it. Like people are really quick to assume um, and stuff like that. Um, but I think that accessibility is really important in everyone's everyday life, whether you have a unique difference or not. Um making things easier and just you know um for example like my friend just got a new desk and it has the function that you can raise it up or down and this helps on days where she she's she has like pain and whatever she can like lower it and lean on it more you know and then for me I'm like oh my god this is so great because I can lower it all the way down and it's like a basically like a a perfect desk for little people and she's like or for average type people too like it just makes my life easier too you know she'll be like nothing not it's not always about you is he's not always (laughs) and I'm um it's like stuff like that. Like it's it's just accessibility is important for everyone to feel comfortable, not just people with disabilities um, and stuff like that. And I think that it's just something that we have to continue to work towards, obviously. Um, and yes, like with education, of course, like the more you know, um, the more you can help and be aware and more cautious of everyone, you know, um, the more you're exposed to, especially kids nowadays are exposed to quite a bit, like at a young age. Um, it's great in some ways, obviously not in other ways, but it's great for them to be more aware of and so many things um, 
so that they're more accepting and more respectful of just everyone's differences and they don't even see them as a difference anymore you know everyone's just the same everyone's equal yeah it's surprising because even with you know the younger generation you see some of this stuff where are they finding this information you know Mm -hmm. we we talk about you know, um, accessibility, inclusion, and physical space. Obviously, we advocate for digital because that's what we do because it's more than just websites. It's all of the pieces. Um, You know, the matter of something very simple can be changed at the beginning, but, you know, verbiage, you know, the proper use of language. And, you know, obviously in the the little people community, we don't like the M word. People don't understand that. And they go, oh, you're just being overly sensitive and, you know, I'm like, no, like the dictionary changes every day. What's the problem? Why do you have an issue with it? There's many words we don't continue to use anymore. Um, people need to understand that, you know, maybe it doesn't bother them, but it's not about them. It's, it's you know, it's none of the changes that we see in language is about us personally, unless we're affected by it, I think. But I, I see it even with the younger kids where they're using terms Somebody said something to my daughter not long ago. And I'm like, are they too young to even know that? So where are they finding that from? Is it from media? Is it from, you know, bias in the home? Is it from a family member? Like, how do we help change those things as well? Because that's part of accessibility, right? In in my opinion, that's access to feeling comfortable in your environment. That's, you know, Mm -hmm. all of those things. That's inclusion. Under And, and and those words, those words um, that, and there are lots of them for various different people, are associated with trauma. We shouldn't be using them. So yeah, um, yeah. Hopefully, we'll keep changing people's perspectives on those things. And I know I'll never give up that fight. But uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to just mention that as well because people forget. That, you know, we focus so much on accessibility and in the media as it's happened, it's always been about physical, but it's the inclusion part and it's it's the language, it's the proper representation of imagery. The photography out there doesn't exist. We're trying to change that as well. But I guess that sort of leads us into our, our next question, too, is that what is each of your advice for people who don't know much about accessibility and inclusion um, or about organizations like yours and want to start their awareness journey, what would you say to them? I don't know who wants to start with this one. Here. You can start, Alan. <laughs> well, you know, I think we started off. With, I think it starts off with education, but um, um, uh, you know, while people learn, everybody learns in a different way. Um, there are sources of information out there. Um, in different forms than than ever before. So I think it's a it's a terrific. Actually, just this fabulous podcast that you're doing now is just one example, as you mentioned. Um, um, and uh, I think if you know which way you learn best, you need to follow that path. I mean, there are there are short articles, long articles, videos, slideshows, in person presentations. Um, um, live, uh, recorded, um, and the things that we do in the schools. Um, and I think starting early is still the key to to all this for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, what I've always encouraged uh, when I've given a presentation is, and it doesn't matter what age, you know, the, the audience is, is to empower them 
to be ambassadors for um, uh, for acceptance and inclusion. Uh, you know, spread the word. Let let uh, we can all work together to make a, a, the you know this place a kinder, happier place. Yeah, I think so often. Just before Isabella goes, is that people always are feeling threatened by the law because uh, you know the accessibility for Ontarians with disability. Now we have the Accessible Canada Act. Um, you know, every country has their own, every province, every state, pretty much for all over the world. But we always try and get, we're trying to gear people away from being afraid of the law because it's just the right thing to do. Because at every point in our lives, look at me six years ago, never thought I'd end up using a cane and not being able to work full time and do what I wanted to do. It's going to happen to every single one of us based on age, gender, race, doesn't matter. It's, you know, it could be in a car accident, it could be temporary, it could be born with it. You know, it's it's going to happen. So can we lead people more to, like you said, it's kindness, it's empathy, it's the right thing to do. It's good for business, it's good for society. So Isabella, what are your thoughts on where people can start in understanding? Um, Again, education. Um, I think that like you know you may think you know everything but you actually don't <laughs> you don't you, you there's a, there's always something to learn you learn something new every day you know you could be going to the park and see someone or something that you've never seen before and i think it's just being like open minded too and like accepting like oh like for example if someone sees me like a little person for the first time they could either look at me take it in you know be like oh I've never seen a little person before she's she's quite small but she's same as everyone else or you could sit there stare make yourself look you know make me uncomfortable make your make everything uncomfortable and and just be respectful just do the right thing um and that comes with learning being educated um you know children obviously they'll be more verbal and and uh they'll say things or stare and and that's because they're just they're young and they don't they weren't exposed maybe or they don't you know you can't really they're they're little um but I just think that it's like it's so important to you know be open-minded and be like accepting of everyone no matter what um as you said like gender race ability disability like whatever um because everyone is going through something you know everything no one's life is going to be perfect there's always going to be something that's up with them and you might not know you know people put on a great face outside or on social media what they want people to see what they want people to know but in reality everyone's going through something everyone has their own battles that they're overcoming every day and like you know I'm in psychology now so there's a lot of there's a lot of things that like I'm just have opened my eyes like um for example like if you're driving and someone cuts you off you could just assume that they're like rude like that's such a rude person that for cutting me off but maybe like maybe they're actually a really nice person and they're having just a really bad day You know, you have to put things into perspective. You can't just assume everything all the time and come to conclusions so 
fast. Um, so I think it's just a combination of, of all that. Um, yeah. I think we all wish that everyone could lead with kindness. I know that has always been my hope. Um, we talk about it a lot. It's, you know, it gets tiring when you're advocating because you want to see change and you want to see Mm -hmm. that fairness, but, um, we have a lot of people, you know, oh, I don't have customers with disabilities. Well, you have no idea. Like they don't know, or I don't have to comply with the law. You know, you get tired of trying to convince people of those things, but you want to then show them instead of what it could be like if things were easier for everybody and to show that sometimes it's very small changes that make a huge difference for so many people. And they, you know, it's great to, I think that's what we want with this podcast is to share as many different views from as many different, you know, communities as possible about, you know, what it's like to have accessibility inclusion integrated into the core of everything. And hopefully we'll see the change in education as well. But thanks for your thoughts on those. Those are awesome. Um, so the last question we have, and I, I know some of these things because obviously I'm involved in the community, but I'd love to hear from you both. What is your advice for people with disabilities that are affected by some sort of disability or illness, uh, like their families, about their journey to have a better personal life and make our society better? Like, how can we all collectively be open and active in that process? I think it, it's a multi-layered question, really. But I think in general, what's your advice for people with disabilities that, are, you know, especially in our own communities, right? So, like, what can we do? If, if, if they're looking for a, a better life, um, I think one thing has been, we haven't touched quite on this, but if you're living with a disability or disabilities because often there are multiple factors involved yeah. um i mean certainly with dwarfism there are over 400 uh, types of dwarfism each one of them having their own uh, um, uh, challenges um, uh, you know it's and it's not all about height yeah <laughs> right which is the most obvious thing but um is to get involved with other groups other like minded groups and um i think you'll probably learn that um life is getting better so part of that is to be um um not not to be um discouraged by what's happening or some of the obstacles that that uh come up um uh, and People with disabilities are often some of the most ingenious people trying to figure out ways to live in a world that isn't built for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh, that's the first thing. So know that you can incite change, um, and um, you have the ability to, in some some way, to make it happen. But we don't always have the capacity ourselves individually. Um, for various different reasons, whether that be societal acceptance or our own capacity. And, and uh, um, um, so, but with, if you're within a group, you can all collectively work on it um, and share ideas and move forward. Um, it, it's easier to move that mountain when you're doing it together. 
Um, and, you know, don't get discouraged that things don't always go as quickly as we'd like. We mentioned that, uh, but it does happen. Um, and if we keep pounding away at it, we will get there. Um, I don't know what we're going to do when, when uh, joke a bit, but when it all happens, right? But, but you know, um, I guess we'll just live our lives like everybody else. Wouldn't that be fabulous? Wouldn't it be <laughs> fabulous? Yeah, definitely. What about so you? We, we, oh, yeah. I mean, we're often struggling to live our lives in and in in a in a a, a a way that everyone else lives theirs. So like the average the average person. But on top of that, we're struggling with the barriers. And then we're struggling with overcoming those barriers. So, um, uh, but it does work when we work together. Absolutely. What are your thoughts, Isabella? Um, for sure, get involved um, with any group, you know, um, clubs at schools for students, um, anything really. Um, the, the more you know, those. <laughs> There's there's always so much to know and there's no harm in 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 doing so. Um, I think that as far as like families and friends of individuals with like differences such as like a disability, whether it's physical, whatever it may be, um, I think that those people um, are they're they're more aware in a way. Um, like in my case, for example, I live with five other university students, um, one whom I've known since high school has come with me to university. And and my friends have always told me that I kind of opened their eyes to so many more things, like not just, you know, little people, um, but they're a lot more aware and accepting and just open-minded about so many other differences that are out there in the world. Um, and they're willing to, you know, help me make that change to like have more acceptance and, and inclusion. Um, and by doing little things around the house, like if they notice me doing something and um, it takes me quite a bit of time and they do one simple thing that could just oh, like, make me 10 minutes faster, you know, why not do it? And and that's not something I have to pull teeth to do. You know, it's, it's really nice to see them, you know, do something as simple as like yesterday I was cooking um, meal prep. Um, and, you know, I'm using a lot of ingredients and a lot of different little tiny like spices and everything. And they're all over the counter. And then I have this step stool, two steps, and I have to go up grab all the stuff, come down, move the stool, because my cover is right below the stool. Open the cover, put everything in, and then get the stool, put it back, grab more stuff, you know? It's it's tiring. It takes so long to do something so simple sometimes. Um, and yesterday, as I was saying, um, my friend, she saw me going to put something in the fridge, one of my ingredients, and when I came back, I saw my stools put away, and I was like, why'd you put my stool? I have so many, I have so many more things to do. But then I looked up and she had all the ingredients lined up at the edge of the counter, like right at the edge of the counter. So I could just simply take it off one by one, put it all away. I didn't need the stool. 
I didn't have to go go up and I didn't have to go up on the counter, reach over, get my sleeve all wet with whatever's on the counter, (laughs) grab everything. And I could just put everything away because everything was in reach of me and everything was closed, sealed. Everything was, you know, that, that simple task that took her five seconds to do while I just went to the fridge and put something away would have taken me so long to do. And I just sat there. I was like, that's so nice. And, you know, she was like, it's not, it's not a big deal. Like, it's really, it's not that I didn't do much. I'm like, no, but that, that was like, that was so nice. Um, And I think it's, it's, they're just, just little things like that, that I'm noticing that they will do um, for me specifically. Um, And then they'll come home and say, oh, I saw this person today. I saw this today. I saw I uh, I saw someone struggling to open the door today. I, I helped them open the door and I, I thought of you yelling at me to open the door for you. And I was like, yeah, good, as you should. Um, you know, stuff like that. And I think obviously my mom, my dad, my sisters, um, the more you know, the more that experience that you have with someone of, again, a disability or not, whether whatever difference um, may, it may be, um, just being, you know, you, you, the more, you know, the more you can do in the world to make the world a better place and try and help everyone and make everything more accessible for everyone and everyone feel included. It would be so great if everyone took that step back sometimes Yeah, like and just, with that person yeah. driving and said, wait, are they having a bad day? But we, yeah. you know, we live in this digital age too, that there's just so many keyboard warriors and, mm-hmm. and it just takes simple things and mm-hmm. we you know when we're fully able-bodied or you know average height we take so much for granted and you know it's 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 just a great thing to be kind and to you know mm-hmm. I don't know why people have ever thought that someone who has different abilities or is disabled feel like it's less than it's that whole age-old thing that's this, what society has bred throughout the years but there's such a wonderful empowerment that I'm seeing again from the digital age but like on LinkedIn and TikTok and you know even some of the celebrities and uh having the more actual authentic representation in entertainment is fantastic we need to see way more of that but Definitely uh, growing, it helps growing um representation online and stuff for people with disabilities um whatever it may be um there's definitely there's definitely a growing presence which is great um more exposure and stuff like that more education social media can be a great thing if you're using it in the right way um addition if you're using it the right way yes (laughs) sometimes you know sometimes that can be one of the cons one of the negative effects of like social media it's not always used positively and that's something I've seen, especially like as a teenager growing up with it. Um, and I'm sure your daughter has, you know, two. Yeah. Whereas my parents never grew up with that. They wouldn't, they don't know, they don't understand it. Yeah. To them, it's all nonsense sometimes. But, you know, there are some good things about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I don't know if there's anything else we'd both like to add, but those are all of our questions uh, for today's podcast. And I just wanted to thank you both so much for being here and taking the time out of your busy schedules and students and volunteering and running so many things, Alan. 
Um, but I would love for you to add anything else. If there's anything else you'd like to talk about your organizations or your projects, and we'll make sure to add that in as well, or any, any other words of advice for our viewers and listeners. Sure. There's something, um, I spoke about the Dwarf Athletic Association in Canada, uh, you know, health and well-being, uh, not only just physical uh, fitness, but also mental fitness. Um, it's it's a terrific opportunity for um, people of short stature to get together to be able to compete eye to eye, and it and it touches on, like I said, all the points of health and well-being. Um, and we are having, as this is um, 2023. Uh, in the summer coming up, because it's the beginning of 2023, we have the World Dwarf Games that are happening in uh, Cologne, Germany uh, this summer. And um, uh, we're just, I know I, I know people that have been there before, like to the games. The last games were in uh, Guelph, Ontario in, in 2017. Yeah. And yeah. They're about every four years, but there was this COVID gap that yeah, kind of pushed it off yeah. a bit. <laughs> um, that people have been there before, um, and it's for all abilities. It, I mean, they, they're um, they can compete eye to eye. The, the challenges are um, um, amongst each other, not the environment, you know. And it's it's a far more equitable and accessible space. Um, and uh, the, like I said, I sorry keep coming back to this, but the the kids and adults that have experienced this are so charged afterwards realizing oh my goodness this is just it's it's uplifting it's empowering it's realizing what can be yeah because often many of us don't know what it might even be like we we perhaps see it hear it or some sensory input of what it's like to be completely accepted in um, a societal position or, um, and uh, um, that's very encouraging. That is, it's really, it's, it's just fan fantastic. It, it's, it's, this is the best thing ever. And to want to participate in different sports safely, because when you are short stature, I mean, Joy has just asked me to try out basketball and volleyball and, you know, sure. But she's more than half the size of her peers now. So, you know, as a parent and as the medical advisors would say, maybe not a great idea because what many people don't realize is that when you have, you know, there's lots of different types of dwarfism. It's not just that you're short and your bone, you're short and your bones are little physiologically, you can go, you can be paralyzed in Joyce condition. Like she could have issues with her neck. And, you know, if you hit your head, like the whiplash, there's many different factors that people can't see. Um, and you, you, you know, as a parent, I want my child to experience all these things. So mm -hmm. I think, you know, the World Dwarf Games is fantastic. Um, as you guys both know, Joyce, in our artistic swimming, which was formerly called synchronized swimming, it's called adapted. Um, so she's done that for about five or six years. And thanks to another family we met through LPO, that's how we got involved. And now another family from LPO, who is her duet partner, and it is empowering because she has something that she's a part of. And this year she's become part of a mixed ability team. And it has been a shining light for her because even though she was doing the sport, she still wasn't fully integrated. You know, they're still in their own categories. And I, I can't say enough about having the opportunity to have access to this. So if there's lots of other parents out there, um, you know, 
contact Al and talk about the World Dwarf Games. We haven't obviously participated yet, but because of being in synchro and artistic swimming, but such an awesome opportunity. So we'll make sure to get that link as well so people can check it out. And I know that we're always looking for donations. I often try and do that for my birthday and other things. So, you know, not-for-profits need this. So please, you know, consider donating to any of these uh, organizations would be much appreciated. We're all registered charities. So there's a, a tax receipt that goes along with that. So. Yeah, obviously I'm promoting this because it's near and dear to my heart, but <laughs> Isabella, is there anything else you'd like to add? I know with the Little Kindness Project, we can add the info so parents or, you know, even other, you know, kids can give that info to their schools. Is that something that we can share at the end as well? Yeah, that's, that would be really great. Yeah, it's it's really awesome to see, you know, not only the smiles on the faces of, you know, the students who may have dwarfism, um, but also like the parents in the audience of those children and also the teachers, staff, like the peers, everyone's just like, you literally see their eyes opening, like, you know, they're, they're, they're learning so much and it's, it's such a great feeling to be that that person that can just, you know, teach these kids um, one step at a time. Um, so that they're, they're more aware and they're, they're, you know. And, and it's not stage. just schools. Uh, we've also, Bell and I have actually given a presentation to a um, diversity, uh, equity and inclusion program for uh, police departments and opening it up to the community. And because we represent um, perhaps a community that isn't always represented within that um, uh, DEI um, uh, group, yeah. um, we opened a lot of their eyes. It, there were yeah. um, there was some really great in, uh, input from them about us. Yeah. So it was, lots, of, lots of questions and definitely, you know, a lot of support came out of that. Yeah, I think it's so much more people forget that, you know, Joy continuously uses the buttons to get into doors. It's easier than trying to open a door. People think that things are just for wheelchairs. You know, they're, they're not. There's so many more things. So I'm oh, yeah. really grateful you guys started this project. <clears throat> I know you haven't been to our school yet, but we're working on that, I know. So yes. we hope that that will be here soon. And we're happy to share that information far and wide. And I know that... Uh, coordinating you both I'm just so grateful for the time with your busy schedules and yes. schools so thank you both for being here today and thank you for having uh, us can't wait thank to share this one yeah well thank you for putting this all together I mean yeah. you, your uh, advocacy um uh is um is fantastic it's it's we're really really pleased and thank you for allowing us to be here and continuing to do things so yeah well, kudos it's become my whole life and I thought I may as well make it my career in some way too but like you said everybody's perfect we are all learning every day um you know we don't even like to call ourselves experts here because we're still learning and everybody's experiences and disabilities are different than the next you can't really can them so you know we're mm -hmm. all it's it's progress over perfection and by getting our voices out there all collectively the more we hope to see the journey changes so thanks again both of you for coming on and uh, we'll make sure to put all your information with our podcast and we can share it out and hopefully we'll see some positive changes
Amazing. Why Access Matters, a podcast by Accessibrand. Thoughts and talks about accessibility. In this episode, we heard an inspiring interview and have learned a lot from Alan and Isabella about their personal experiences with dwarfism and their involvement in Little People of Ontario and Canada. It's heartwarming to hear about the positive impact that the organization has had on their lives and the lives of others. The program Isabella talked about, where she and other little people visit schools to discuss their condition, is a great initiative to help raise awareness and promote acceptance among children. We hope this podcast has given our audience a better understanding of dwarfism and the importance of access and inclusivity. Please consider checking out their website, donating to them, getting involved in their programs and activities, and of course, informing others who might benefit from their unique services. For your convenience, we've shared the link to their websites in the description of this episode. Alan and Isabella shared their perspectives on how to make society more inclusive for those with disabilities. And now, as usual, we have some questions and prompts to reflect on. Number one, they encourage individuals with disabilities to get involved with other like-minded groups, share ideas, and work together towards change. Was there ever a time where you had a good experience with people similar to you, or did you join a group to have positive effect? Number two, they also emphasize the importance of families and friends of individuals with disabilities becoming more aware, accepting, and willing to make little changes that can make a big difference. How can you as a person and then we as a society work towards creating a more inclusive environment for individuals with disabilities? And what small changes can we make in our own lives to help achieve this? Number three, as a wrap-up question, we want to ask our audience, what steps can you take to promote inclusivity and acceptance in your own community? We should always ask ourselves, what small changes can we make in our own daily lives to increase accessibility and inclusion? How can we create a more welcoming environment for everyone? Let's keep the conversation going and work towards a more accessible and inclusive world. Well, we've reached the end. I'm Jolene McDonald from Accessibrand. Thanks for your patience and time in listening to me, my colleagues, and our special guests, Alan Redford and Isabella Lamana, in the third episode of the second season of Why Access Matters and our eighth episode to date. The next episode will follow every last Friday of each month. But until then, please send us your thoughts and ideas. Follow our podcasts and podcatchers like Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify, or any other platform you listen to podcasts on. Follow our fabulous guests via checking out their website or their social media. Don't forget to introduce us to your family and friends and network. And please consider checking out our website if you need any accessibility services and would like to utilize the valuable lived experience and expertise of persons with disabilities. You can visit our website at www.accessibrand.com. Why Access Matters, a podcast by Accessibrand thoughts and talks about accessibility.